Hey, you absent-minded community in the future. This is Jerry from the past welcoming you to the Slow Death in the Afternoon podcast. This is Jerry, and with me, as always, my good friend and compatriot, and not at all a communist, Dan Ledbetter. It's true, I'm not a communist. <laughs> I'm more of a, uh, I'm more of a semicolonist. I'm not a comma communist. You're not a commaist. A commaist, no. How are you, Jerry? Other than your uh, your earache, I, I think at this point we should. Uh, we should uh, do like 30 seconds of that Cheech and Chong song. Earache my eye. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think we should. I think, uh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to instead pop the cork on the cure. Oh, very good. What do you, you hear that? I am drinking none other than Jade 1901. Oh, wise move, my friend. If that don't cure it, nothing will. Well, yeah. it'll probably cure the, what is it called? They don't call it the coronavirus anymore. It's a COVID nineteen. Oh, something like that. Yeah, COVID H H. What what was the bird flu called? I don't remember. Well, I don't know the bird flu. <laughs> remember, I had that. You did. You did. Have a- or did I? Have, I know I had the swine flu. Swine flu. That's right. I had a podcasted while I had this swine flu. You did. You did. I think, wasn't that the episode we were talking about? Uh, instead of sign twirlers, they were swine twirlers. <laughs> it was probably it. Could have been. Oh my god. Oh man, nothing looshes up like this. Oh, look at that. Oh no. Oh, you. It well, is. okay. Imagine. Best. Imagine you're looking ever. at it. Mm. Well, hey, you know what? I milky green. Well, that, oh my God, this is good. That's the thing about Jade. It's an amazing episode. Mm. I'm so glad I have another bottle of it. Uh, yes, uh, that's, that's the problem. It's super easy to drink. I know. So I I stocked up on it. All right. So you want to hear, uh, here's a, um, this is from July 21st, 2019. Blast it to me. All right. It's like, oh my God. It's, I'm almost like, I almost don't want to read it because it just sort of perpetuates all of the um, mythology. And this was back in uh, t- in 1905 is where this story comes from. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, but they're now, of course, uh, talking they're digging about it up. 2019. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's called uh, The Green Fairy Did It, A Drunken Massacre Blamed on Absinthe. And of course, uh, they have a picture. (laughs) Oh my, oh my God. Even the caption just makes me cringe. It's a picture of uh, a glass of absinthe and a spoon and a sugar cube on it. And guess what? In blood? No, it's on fire. Oh, on fire back then? Even worse. Well, no, this was just a, this is a Getty image photo. But yeah, it's like ridiculous. It says the traditional burning sugar on a spoon Preparing a glass of absinthe. Traditional, traditional when. Exactly, yeah. Traditional whatever. All right, so here's the story. <coughs> and of course... Ahem. We'll... Go ahead. Ahem. Well, I'm clearing my throat. Oh, good. Ahem. I didn't know what... I thought you had. we had a chicken as a guest <laughs> uh, listener. I'm, I'm doing a Monty Python. Ahem. Oh, okay. I... And elk. And elk. <laughs> Have you had some absinthe before we start the podcast? No. <laughs> All right. So here's the just a, just amoxicillin. Go ahead. Oh well, amoxicillin and absinthe. You, I think you should put your amoxicillin on the spoon and light it on fire <laughs> and mix it in your absinthe. That could be the cure. This could cure yeah. the the the, uh, the. I almost called it the swine virus. <laughs> <laughs> The coronavirus. <laughs> the, the, well, you, they don't call it coronavirus anymore because coronavirus is this huge family of viruses that includes the common cold. Yes, exactly. That, that's why they had to name it co- COVID. Co- COVID co- swine uh, fluus maximus or something. <laughs> Beerus maximus. All right. So anyway, uh, so people, uh, please... 
do not try to burn your amoxicillin on your Epsom before you put it in. <laughs> Just take it as a pill and drink it down. I, I don't yes. know what it'll do to your liver, but you're on your own on that one. Uh, so here's the story. So uh, Jean Lanfray, 32, a laborer from the, the village community of uh, uh, Commune... 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 Yeah, exactly. Switzerland rose before dawn on August 28th, 1905, and started his morning with two glasses of Babson. Uh, that's a great... <laughs> yeah. I see nothing wrong with the story so far. I know. This is like, I woke up this morning and I got myself some absinthe. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and right. he says he did not stop drinking for the rest of the day. Well, that could be a problem. Well, yes. On their way to work at the vineyard, Lanfrey, his brother and father, stopped at a cafe. His breakfast consisted of uh, cream de menthe and cognac. Between lunch and <laughs> time, he downed seven glasses of wine and a cup of coffee laced with brandy. <laughs> That's not horrible, right? So the drinking continued at home, where his father polished off a liter of wine. Lanfrey topped it off with uh, Mark, a potent brandy. Uh, this is all reported by Bar uh, Barnaby Conrad III in his book, Absinthe, Absinthe, History in a Bottle. I thought you were going to say Barnes & Noble. It, it could be Barnes & Noble. It might be available at Barnes & Noble. Probably. Uh, when Lanfrey's wife reminded him it was time to milk the cows, he refused. She called <laughs> He told her to shut up, then dashed to the closet, grabbed his rifle, and shot her through the forehead. She died. In oh, my God. Yeah. Rose, his four-and-a-half-year-old daughter, walked into the room, saw her mother dead. Her father silenced the child with a bullet. Then he ran into the bedroom where his other daughter, Blanche, too, was sleeping in a crib, and he shot her, too. He tried to commit suicide with his rifle, but only managed to put a bullet in his jaw. Still, he had the strength to pick up Blanche and stagger to the barn. Police found him there later, passed out with the child's bloody corpse in his arm. It, it didn't matter that Lanfrey had guzzled an ocean of alcohol that day, and most of it was wine. His murderous rage was blamed on the absinthe. Oh, of course. This case quickly became known throughout the world as the absinthe murders. Called the Green Fairy, absinthe is a concoction of herbs, spices. That sounds like a Colonel Sanders recipe. <laughs> 27 herbs and spices in a bottle. Uh, it was Kentucky a, fried absinthe. Now listen to this. Barnaby Conrad actually uh, uh, harkens back to what we talked about uh, last uh, podcast. He says, uh, the, called the Green Fairy, absinthe is a concoction of herbs and spices that was originally used for medicinal purposes. At the heart of the brew is wormwood, a plant reputed to have a slew of health benefits as well as hallucinogenic effects, which we know is bullshit. Yeah, because there's lots and lots of it in vermouth, and vermouth was never taken off the... In fact, I, I read somewhere, and it has to be true because it was on the internet, that vermouth has more worm in it, depending it on the type, than, than absinthe ever did. Absolutely. Uh, bitters and thujon, or bitters and thujon, uh, bitters and vermouth has more abs... Uh, has more abs <laughs> You've been drinking. I'm sober. I can't even talk, apparently. Do I have a gun? I'm going to shoot myself in the forehead. Um uh, at, make sure it it's has a nerf or uh bitters and vermouth has more thujone, which is the chemical compound released when you distill wormwood, than absinthe did, and yet it's still on the market. Yes, never went off. No. So as with cannabis, records of wormwood potions go back to antiquity. Over mm -hmm. the centuries, it was held up as a remedy for everything: stomach woes, parasites. Anemia, depression, bad breath, menstrual cramps, and malaria, just to name a few. Some say wormwood extracts also act as aphrodisiacs. There That's you go. just alcohol. It is. It's just the alcohol talking. Uh, in the mid-1700s, two sisters in Switzerland started selling a mixture they created. Towards the end of the century, a Swiss physician was marketing a 136-proof version of the green anise-flavored liquor. Large-scale productions began a few years later. By the middle of the 19th century, the Green Fairy was a favorite of bohemian and avant-garde writers, poets, artists, including Oscar Wilde, Henry, Henry D. Toulouse-Lautrec, and Vincent van Gogh. Not Rim to mention legions of French um, um, soldiers. Yes, absolutely. Grim absinthe drinkers, usually appearing in a stupor, became a common theme among painters. Le Absinthe, a 1876 painting by Edgar Degas, 
is perhaps the most famous of these, depicting a somber woman seated alone in a cafe with a glass of green liquid before her. The emerald green spirit was so popular that a French phenomenon arose, the Hue Verte, or the Green Hour, which I still think is a great, uh, a great name. It was a time, one writer observed, when the sickly odor of absinthe lies heavily in the air. Its appeal spread throughout Europe and to America, along with the fears that the absinthe demon was going to destroy the world. One of the chemical components of wormwood, as well as other plants, is thujone, a powerful neurologic stimulant. Studies on guinea pigs show that simply inhaling absinthe provokes seizures. Oh, my God. So I, <laughs> well, guinea pigs shouldn't be drinking absinthe. That's, that's, that's the takeaway right there. Don't give your guinea pigs absinthe, people. Well, and uh, uh, sugar-free gum will kill your dog. Will it really? Yeah, that's that's. Should we outlaw it then? Because it oh, if it kills a dog, it it's going to kill us if we just even lick it, right? Well, that's, um, that's true. I think. <laughs> All right, let's ban everything. Uh, let's, let's ban cars because they could be used to run people over. Well, they emit uh, you know high levels of exhaust fumes, which could kill you if you breathe them. Yeah. If you put a big giant, your... uh, laundry bag over a tailpipe and stuck your head inside that and just breathe that, you would die. Or if you connect your tailpipe up to your bong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, and, and this, this, uh, uh, well, let's move along. So studies, <laughs> studies on guinea pigs show that simply inhaling absence provokes seizures. Scientists begin to warn about its effects on body and soul. And it should be noted that all of this uh, so-called science and research was crap as it was really funded by the... Uh, the wine industry. Winemaker. Yes. Yeah. Absinthe, a deadly poison that many people gulped down, screamed a headline in the Alexander County, North Carolina Journal on August 23, 1888. The article, which was syndicated around the country, estimated that 10 out of every 25 New York bar patrons ordered absinthe even though the medical fraternity had pronounced it more dangerous than whiskey or opium, capable of sitting <laughs> madhouse to the grave in four years. What do you think well, of that? Wow. Let's bring back opium then. Apparently, <laughs> apparently so. Uh, you know, go ahead. when you're, when you were reading that though, it, it really, it, it dawned on me that we should have named this podcast the Green Hour. You know what? Honestly, yes. I thought about that, too. We'll call this episode the Green Hour. How about that? The Green Hour. Okay. <clears throat> well, we could say the Green Hour. Oh, you are. <laughs> oh, play. you are? A little play on words. Um, so uh, the medical friend, more dangerous than whiskey or opium, capable of sending a person to the madhouse or the grave in four years. So apparently it's like a time bomb. <laughs> if that's the case, I have outlived my uh, my four years. I know we've been doing this since two thousand eight. We're I, still alive, dude. We are on borrowed time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Over the decades, there was talk of banning it, but nothing happened until the Lanfrey tragedy. At Lanfrey's one day trial in February nineteen oh six, his defense argued that his actions were the result of absinthe madness, even though he'd only had a couple of ounces. He was convicted. Of four murders, his wife, oh, his wife was pregnant when he shot her, and he Holy was sh for 30 years in prison. Three days later, he hanged himself in his cell. No, I don't believe that. I mean, if Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, then uh, then this guy didn't. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I had to harken back to a famous joke. Uh, anyway, the murders became the catalyst for the ban, which went into effect in Switzerland in 1908 soon followed by other countries, including France and the United States. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The ban survived for about a century. Then in the 1990s, governments relaxed the rules, and by 2007, absinthe was legal. Now, here's the thing. and I it, was, know, it was never banned here, really. No, the, nobody could produce documentation. We had a company, you know this, and longtime listeners, uh, of this show know this, that uh, I had started a company with uh, three other people to try to get absinthe legalized. It was like, we thought it was ridiculous that this alcohol uh, was uh, uh, being banned. And so uh, I had a partner in Spain who was the guy that had the absinthe. I had a partner in um, New Orleans. 
who was helping with marketing and distribution. And I had a partner in uh, Oakland who was our legal guy. We kept sending bottles to the ATF and all we got back was uh, they kept the bottle <laughs> of that <laughs> bastard and a note saying, uh, we're sorry that absinthe is illegal. So our legal team would reach out and say, can you please show us documentation that states that absinthe is illegal? Never heard back. We did this four separate times, nothing. And then finally, uh, uh, our, our friend of the show, uh, a, a, a listener, I suppose, uh, Ted, bro. Now, I we got to get him on here because I need to find out what the story really is because this is what I heard, and I've been repeating it as fact, and I don't know for fact if it is fact. But okay. the, the company that was distributing... Um, Abs, uh, he was doing he was doing Jade back then. I don't think Lucid came out before Jade, but he reverse engineered Absinthe and started manufacturing it over in France. Yeah, and the word on the street was that the company, the distillery, uh, or the distribution company, hired a lobbyist to get the laws relaxed so that he could get the Absinthe in the U.S., which is how Lucid became the first Absinthe to hit shores uh, back mm-hmm. in the day. Now I don't know. If that is true about the hiring of the of the lobbyists, I would love to get Ted on the show to find out what happened because it would be great to compare notes with him since he was the first person to actually put a stake in the ground. Yeah, and do that. I think it would be. Uh, I think it would be great. Hey, uh, Ted, if you're listening, um, Ted, please, please, uh, get, we'll, we'll hook you up here, and you could do you could do some free advertising while you're at it. We should invite him to Las Vegas. And be we should. He could okay. be on the show, and we could eat chicken wings and drink absinthe and talk about uh, absinthe. While we're surrounded by Hooter girls. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm telling you, this could be the best thing ever. Uh, today, it dear, is... Dear friends and listeners, we will not be surrounded by Hooter girls, I promise. Wait. Yeah. Unless they want to. We'll, we'll be recording in Hooters, so I would think we would. Oh, I thought we'd be recording at the hotel at Hooters. Well, it is a hotel, but they have a Hooters restaurant in the hotel. Anyway, keep going. Okay, anyway, we'll, we'll figure out the details. But if you like Hooter Girls, Wings, and Absinthe, uh, come join us. Today, it is easy to get Absinthe in the U.S. on Amazon among 5,000 results for a search of liquor. There are Absinthe fountain, fancy glasses, filigree silver spoons for elaborate rituals involving sugar cubes and ice water drips. Um... Perhaps the strongest sign that the 21st century American is ready to embrace uh, the Green Fairy is the existence of several recipes for absinthe ice cream. A dessert so good, note the culinary website, perfectly prominent, it should be outlawed. End of story. Da-da-da. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really not... It's... it's well, it, there, go ahead. But the, there's an explosion of new absinths being distilled and distributed around here. Tenth Ward is like the last one we... We, but I mean, then there's, there's a letter B and then there's, there's that one in Alabama or something like that, that thought we were some sort of uh, scam artist when we were trying to get them to right, right. <laughs> talk about it. But, um, it's, it's all over the place. It's, I think it's more popular than it's ever been. It is. It's just still quiet on the down low. Well, it's, really. it's still very, nobody has. Nobody has really figured out how to market it. And this is what kills me because I, you have no idea. Well, no, Jerry, you have an idea because we talk all the time. But I have such a marketing plan ready to rock and roll to like take absinthe drinking to the next level. And nobody's doing it. Everybody is still kind of like, oh, it's kind of this thing. It's like a licorice drink. It makes you hallucinate. And it's like, oh my God, people. When are... I still have people... Even liquor store salesmen who tell me, well, it's not really the absinthe that you, you bought back then. Yeah, yeah I've going, heard that a lot. Oh, yeah, it is. It is the same stuff, people. Oh, oh, they'll vehemently deny it. And, and, and you'll still find people, bartenders and liquor store people who will say, no, no, it's illegal. You can't sell it. Right. It's been banned since you know the 1800s. And then you have uh, people like um, good, good friends of mine who are bartenders who just don't understand how in the hell that we can have a whole podcast that's just based on absinthe. They're like, right. 
it's the stuff we spray into the bottle, I mean, into the glass just to coat it. And then we put the real alcohol in. Well, right? that, but yeah, it's almost, <laughs> you know, they, so, it, they almost treat it like a flavoring. Well, they treat it like bitters, kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, but if you're making a Sazerac, then yes, that's exactly what you do. But that's just, you're just getting a hint of the taste of absinthe. And I get it, man. I get people don't, not everybody loves black licorice. I get that. And yeah. it's it's okay because I don't like black licorice, but I love me some absinthe. Oh my God, I love black licorice. There's this uh, chocolate in Finland called Salmiaki, who even half the people in Finland don't like, but I just think it's the most amazing because it's it's a really super rich um, uh, uh, European chocolate, you know. So it's a real chocolate, not that wax crap that we get out here in the oh, states. Right, 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 right. And then it's filled with this super salty, oozing licorice goo and it is the most amazing taste i just absolutely love it i remember i brought some home and gave to my girlfriend like geez 15 years ago oh really and and i didn't think she was gonna like it and she just fell in love with it so the next time i was in finland i brought a whole freaking suitcase of it back did you really oh yeah oh gosh and uh, she claimed most of it, and uh, I, I took some. But uh, if I get out to Finland again, well, yeah, actually, I, what 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 I what I did for a while though is um, people in Finland couldn't get certain American things that they really wanted, and I've got a lot of connections out there because of my work. Right, and uh, so I would send. They have them now, so it kind of ruined it. But back then, they didn't have Oreos. What? And so I would send them Oreos and they would send me Salmiaki. And then later on, like the cookie, yeah, the cookie, but they, they've got them now though. They figured the, someone out there figured out, Oh, we, the, we could sell them there. And then the next thing was Tabasco sauce. And I used to trade Tabasco sauce for Salmiaki. Dude, that is the best thing ever. The I know. And the real, the really cool bottle. thing. You've got a smart we trade going on. Yeah, and the coolest thing is, is we were using company inner office mail to send it back and forth internationally. Okay, that's funny. That's actually very funny. Uh, so watch, watch that be the thing that gets me fired when I admit that. Right, exactly. Yeah, that'll be the thing. Oh, we're sorry. But, uh, here's your final check because you've been uh, bartering goods and services for horrible chocolate. Yeah. I remember one time I was going through customs and uh, the girl – She's like this very stern person. She's like, did you bring any, any food or anything back? And I said, well, I brought a bunch of chocolate. And she goes, well, that's okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> she just let me through. <laughs> she didn't even look. <laughs> that is hilarious. It could have been heroin lace chocolate for all shoes, but it was like, oh, that's okay. Right. I wish someone would bring me chocolate back. What did you give her some? Like to say, here you go. That would be illegal. Well, it'd be like considering uh Yeah, it'd be a bribe. But but no, I didn't even open the bag. I just was I wanted to get out of there. Yeah, of course. Of course. Before the dogs found me. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the the chocolate sniffing dogs. <laughs> hey, so you wanna hear uh you wanna hear what we did for um for uh Becky's birthday. Oh, what, what, and and tell the listeners who Becky is. Oh, yeah, I guess that that would be that would be appropriate, I suppose, right? Um, so my girlfriend Becky uh, had her birthday last week uh, on Thursday, and unbeknownst to me, and this is why one of the reasons I love her to death is because she's into all the weird, crazy, spooky crap that I'm into. She she's bought- awesome. She's great. She bought uh, us tickets to this thing called uh, Hear Birds Burn. What? <laughs> and here, it's like H-E-R-E. Uh-huh. Hear Birds Burn, a Phantasmagoria revival. Now, a Phantasmagoria is what they did in the 19th century. This was before motion pictures. And um, haunted houses and like horror mazes and things like that, that 
you know, you'd see at Knott's Berry Farm or Universal Studios or uh -huh. any place all over the country. What they would do is um, you would go to this person's home or there would be a series of homes. They would give you narcotic-laced wine <laughs> and you would kind of like walk through these houses that they had different rooms set up that was all creepy and like would have some caskets or, you know, just some really odd gadgets and things like that. And then they'd do like a mock seance calling spirits. And then <laughs> they would have just these different um, rooms you would go into where creepy things would happen or a spirit would try to be guiding you or telling you about horrible things and things like that. Well, this was a reenactment of that. So we get there and it's in a um, an area of Los Angeles. I think it's called the Heritage House Center. There's five Victorian, restored Victorian homes that they actually moved onto this plot of land. Uh, beautiful, beautiful old homes. I mean, like we're talking... If they were run down, dilapidated, they'd be scary as hell. But they were just beautifully appointed, and it was wonderful. So we go to the place, we're standing there, and they start handing us wine, which wasn't laced with narcotics, by the way. Which as I, far as you know. <laughs> well, no, I, I, they weren't, because uh, I complained afterwards to the management. I, I, I did not get my money's worth. I demand a refund. I was kidding. Uh, there's no opium in here. What the hell? Yeah, what the hell? So they give us that, and then once the whole group was there, and there was about seven of us, uh, we, and it was dark, we walk along this uh, path that was lit with lanterns into the house, and we walk into this parlor, a sitting room, <clears throat> and there are um, one, two, three, there are four uh, actors, uh, uh, two women and two men in period piece clothing, and we're supposedly in Boston, Massachusetts uh, in the late 1800s. And um, we go in and we sit down. And once we all sit down, boom, they, they're, they're, they start out and they're not doing anything, right? They're just sitting uh -huh. in poses. So, boom, then they start up. And the guy on the couch is a skeptic. And he goes, oh, I wish this thing would start. This is, it seems like I've been here forever. It's like blah, blah, blah. And they start interacting with each other. And then they said, well, you know, uh, we should find out who these other people are. So we all you know, introduce ourselves and say where we're from. You know, of course, everyone's from L.A. So it's like, uh -huh. I'm, I'm Dan Ledbetter from uh, the county of Orange uh, in Southern California. <laughs> and they said, oh, you traveled a long way to get here. And I said, yes, you know, it's a, a horse and buggy. It took quite a while to get to, to Boston. <laughs> but um, so they, they started interacting and talking about it. And one of the one of the guys was there because he wanted to contact his dead father and so they did the whole interplay and kind of got to know each other. And then this woman comes in the room and says, we need to go into the secondary room so we can conjure the spirits. Uh, so we go into the next room and there's like uh, this big empty room with a rug with candles in a circle and a, a, a skull that looked like it came from a dollar store and a couple bones. And <laughs> said, we're supposed to stand around and then all of us just close our eyes and, and, uh, wait for the spirit to contact us. And then somebody in the other room does this whole... <laughs> kind of. It was kind of like that, except it was more like that uh, that record Disneyland, The Haunted House, you know, when the guy's... <laughs> we, we might have to throw that sound effect in. If you, if you I think we just did it. I think we, well, mine sounded like I had something in my uh, lungs that I was trying to cough up. It goes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's exact. That's exactly what it is. And the funny part is, it's like the story in the album was there's he's like a pack of dogs are chasing him. Yeah, and he screams, and then the dogs stop. It's like I always envision the dogs stopping and cocking their head, like what the hell was that? <laughs> But uh, so we contact the spirit, and it, apparently it is the spirit of the uh, 16th century philosopher from France, uh, Jean-Luc whatever. Uh, Picard. Picard. <laughs> I wonder why he said make it so. I wasn't sure. But, um, so apparently we contacted him, and so we go outside, and there's 
all this smoke around the property, like dry ice stuff. And over at the far side is there's this dude with the powdered wig and the ruffle shirt and the pantaloons and the whole thing. And he's got this great French accent. Like it's very over the top. It's like, hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. I am back from the dead to tell you about things that are most horrible. And he, he was very funny. I thought in your general direction. Exactly. That's who I thought of when he first started doing it. I go, oh my God, it's one of the guys from Monty Python. It's like, <laughs> he's going to throw a sheep at me in a minute. So he, he introduces himself and then we, we walk single file into the house and we go in and there's a puppet show. <laughs> he's, he's still doing it. The room's still kind of foggy and there's this like puppet show booth. And he comes in and he starts talking, and then all of a sudden the curtain opens and there's two puppets, and one he tells the story of Cain and Abel. Oh, okay. And so you know he says you know uh, God uh, liked uh, uh, Abel's offering, but he didn't like Cain's, and so Cain got mad and took Abel out in the field and killed him. And then God shows up, and then God uh, whatever for whatever reason the God puppet is like this little ham puppet with a skull on it. <laughs> it was really bizarre, and so it like goes through the whole thing, and then he starts. He goes, uh, he says, oh, I love this story. When it becomes a tale of mere dear. <laughs> I'm sitting there and Becky's looking at me. I'm looking at her. And the guy's going off. He's he stayed in character the whole time. It was brilliant. So to cut the story, the story short, because I don't want to bore the entire audience. but uh, This is funny. It's Go hilarious, ahead. dude. So he goes through this whole thing about murder and what's the perfect murder and what are the elements of murder. And then like Socrates pops up from the puppet show and starts talking to him about murder and being killed because you're a philosopher. And he goes, Oh, I like that thought. That is a great question. <laughs> and, and so it got, kind of gets dark. And then all of a sudden the lights drop, this red light goes on the puppet show thing. And this woman pokes her head through and she's got kind of the scary, like dark eye makeup, kind of like what you would try to be, you know, a frightening uh, specter type thing and starts telling Jean-Luc, like, you are going to die, Jean-Luc. Your obsession with murder is not is not appropriate for people in this world, blah, blah, blah. And he starts arguing with her. And all of a sudden, like, the lights start flashing and the door opens. And here comes these two dudes with a black blanket on them holding a horse skull, like, coming in like it's a ghost horse, coming in the room. <laughs> And he starts with coconuts. <laughs> it almost stepped on Becky. Poor, poor thing. She almost got stuck. Oh no! Uh, and so the horse thing comes in, and Jean Luc dies, and he's laying on the ground. And then they they come in and say that is that that is the end of this. We must move to the next room. And so we all get up, and go out of that house into the next house. And, uh, <laughs> we see some. Uh, uh, Are they pouring wine for you as you go between houses? Oh, you know, that would have been great, but they did not. Uh, we oh. had wine before we went. So it was, oh. kind of, it was sort of how they... Loosened you up? Loose. I guess that's what the whole point was, was to make you a little more susceptible to, you know, what was going on, especially if it was laced with narcotics back in the day. I mean, I could see where it'd be kind of creepy, right? It was like creepy imagery and creepy things. And, and I was like just fascinated because I thought it was the most interesting thing. So long story short, the horse came in, John Luke dies. Uh, we go to the next uh, room where they've got like weird, creepy things on the table that you can look through like a kaleidoscope and uh, little things like that. And then they, then they call us in uh, to this kind of theater room, right? And we're all sitting in the theater thing. And all this, during this time, all the actors are talking to us and telling us things like the, the guy who wanted to talk to his dead father said he paid extra to be able to talk to him. And the skeptic was, you know, chiding him and saying, oh, whatever, you know, you, you're wasted your money. So we go into the, the main theater room. And then this woman comes up dressed in period garb and says, this, uh, even though this is a reenactment, these things happen in life. This is a true thing about death, because if there is no death, there is no life. And if there is no life, there is no death. And it's like dark and scary. And then all of a sudden, so they start using the magic lantern, which was the precursor to... Uh, the, what do you call it? The, the, how sad is that? The, the, like a projector. It's a projector. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, you know what? The, the name is poofed out of my head, but I, it, it spins and a candle used to light it and it would project oh. like a moving image. Yes, right? They had a dancing skeleton one there. Oh, okay. So they had that, but this is different. The magic lantern was basically like a, like a lantern with a magnifying glass on the front 
where yeah. you would put slides in and they would project on a sheet. Well, it's a slide projector. Kind of like a slide projector. So, but, okay. but we're all sitting there. And so they start making all these, they've got a piano and like a big piece of sheet metal that's making like thunder sounds. And <laughs> doing off key kind of dissonant chords on the piano. And like uh, they'd show a picture of a graveyard and then some grass in the field. And, and then, <laughs> then they'd have a rabbit. There'd be a little bunny rabbit like sitting there and then the slide would move really fast and the rabbit would be jumping. Go back to sitting, jumping, back to sitting, jumping. <laughs> and, and, uh, it's and it, magic. It kind of, but that was, I mean, but back then that kind of was like magic, right? It was like, yeah, yeah it was like, people out the, well, especially if you're on opioids, if you're on opium. Yeah. That's like amazing. And the funny, the, the woman, uh, the socialite woman was like, Oh, bring the bunny back. That was wonderful. And so, you know, they keep doing that. And then they go, you know, they show this woman standing there looking down and there's all these creepy noises. Then another slide pops up and there's some demon goat person behind her and puts his hand on her shoulder. And then she gets pregnant. And then uh, that fades out. And there's like this cutaway of the inside of a woman's body with a baby. And, and you hear like uh, the heartbeat kind of, <laughs> and, and there's like, horns. Oh, the cre- creepy music then it goes to like uh the woman laying dead in the grave and then behind her like slowly a skeleton appears and all this stuff and this goes on for probably 15 minutes or so it's really it was actually really good and so then it it, cli- it it climaxes like it's the music starts getting more aggressive and louder and louder and the images are faster and faster and they're more creepy and you know demons and angels and graves and everything and then again, all of a sudden, the the lights start flashing, and the door pops open, and here comes that horse again. The 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 dead horse dude comes cruising in, and then the the woman in the back starts screaming, "Out, foul spirit! Out, get out of here, demon of hell! Go back to where you have come from! Go back!" And the horse is like writhing, and then it leaves the room and closes the door, and then everything goes dark. The woman from the back comes up, and she's got uh, the the dollar store skull. And <laughs> holding a candle, an electric candle under her chin, so it does that, you know, that scary campfire kind of look. Yeah. And she goes, That is the end of our tale. But the more you must take away is you will all die. Death does not wait for anyone. It will come for you, and you will be this. And she holds the skull out. This is what you will become. This is what you will become. You will come and meet death one day. This is what you will become. And then it's like, then she stops and like freezes. And then all of a sudden the lights just slowly come up and someone from behind the screen, you know, all the other actors freeze. Uh huh. And someone comes in and says, well, that, you know, that was our presentation. Thank you for coming. Uh, exit out this side door. And you walk past and they show you the back room where they did all the the video. And they were actually using like antique magic lanterns to do the, the video stuff. The, oh, cool. It was really cool. Uh, so that was uh, that was the whole show. And it was it was amazing. And it was probably one of the coolest things uh, I've ever seen. Oh, they should have done a jump scare at the very end when you thought it was over. You know what? They, uh, <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, I, told Becky, I told Becky as soon as we walked out, I go, I want to recreate this. <laughs> I want to recreate this and do like a haunted house thing and do like a traveling show. Like people could hire you to do a phantasmagoria in their home or somewhere or whatever. I think it'd be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> What'd she say? She said, let's do it. Uh, she, she said, uh, uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was big fun and it's, it ended last Sunday and it's, I don't know if it's going to be coming back, but, uh, it was um, it was it was amazing, Jerry. I have to tell you, it, uh, if it ever comes out to your area, I'll keep a lookout for something like that. Out. You know, I, it, it's ringing a bell. I think something like that has been out here. Well, if it if it is, <clears throat> then I would say uh, by all means go, and I would drink a lot of absinthe beforehand. That would probably make the experience much better. You know, if Smart. I was going to do that, I would totally, I would up the price, serve a glass of absinthe to each person, and then do the whole thing. Really, <laughs> and really then, 
and pass out some uh, laced gummy bears. Put <laughs> <laughs> some some edibles. Yeah. That'd be great. And then everybody gets an Uber ride home. Right, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you get a free Uber coupon. Here's a <laughs> uh, here's a, a, a gummy. Oh my god, it's so scary! What the hell? What the hell? Uh, it has. <laughs> We're still in the lobby. Oh well, yeah, so that was. It'd, it'd be funny if you put on a show that's so scary that before you even start, you have to pass out the Pampers. I'm uh, not the Pampers, the the pens. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, you know, and that's the thing that's so funny. It's like, I mean, I think that they could have uh, really, like you said, I think they could have added more. It had, had they really thought this thing out more, they could have added more jump scares. Like the horse obviously was supposed to be the big jump scare at the end and the, and then during the thing. So, but it was, it was great. Uh, highly recommend it. If you ever get the chance, uh, where birds burn, where birds burn. Yep. Hey there, future listeners. I looked this up online, uh, to make sure I can get the actual, real name of it because Dan uh, remembered it one way and then the other. It's called Here the Birds Burn, a phantasmagorical revival. That's, it's a great thing. I think you can find it online if you uh, if you uh, say where birds burn in Southern California. It, it might take you to a uh, crematorium. I don't know. <laughs> Did they have to pass out like a pamphlet in the bottom that says no actual birds were harmed in the production no of this film. <laughs> no, you know, sadly they did not, but they did give us a uh, a memorial bird skeleton. <laughs> it, oh, that would be great, a little souvenir. Uh, it's yeah. actually called Here Charred Birds Burn, uh, a Phantasmagoria revival, uh, huh. and it's got a list of the actors and who did what and all that other stuff. Oh, it's called Heritage Square Museum. It was the five buildings in L.A. So why did they call it Where Birds Burn? Uh, you know what? I, I had meant to ask that question, but uh, sadly I forgot. Hmm. I was so enamored by the show and how awesome it was that, uh, yeah. But honestly, it, it was uh, 55 bucks a ticket and worth every freaking penny. Well, it sounds like it. It was. It sound, was sound like a, what was a, what do they used to call it? A, 10, 10 ticket ride? Yeah, e-ticket. Yeah. An e-ticket ride. Yeah, it was very immersive and it was very fun and it was um, it was it was great. Uh, it was one of the best things ever. So if you get a chance, look it up online. I doubt there are any pictures. I don't think anybody, you know, because they told us they weren't allowed to do photography and things like that. But you can look up, fan, uh, uh, dear listener, uh, you can look up Phantasmagoria Uh and uh, see what they did, because I'm sure we'll talk about the Magic Lanterns and the effects that they did and what they did beforehand. But that was kind love, of the big thrill ride back at the turn of the century. I love I love how your voice slightly Skyped out as you said, Phantasmagoria. It was, it was perfect. It was like, Phantasmagoria. <laughs> <laughs> you know, through modern technology, even the uh, glitches can be useful. <laughs> I know a lot of bands that use the glitches now. Oh, you know what? Uh, the, the, the Birds of Canada. The, the Birds of Canada? <laughs> no, the the Boards of Canada. It's uh, the, it's glitchy music. Canada? Boards, as in nail a hammer. Oh, nail a, board a nail into a board. Gotcha. The Boards of I I don't know what it means, but it's one of the. I thought you said the Borg to. of Canada. The, like the Borg of. <laughs> And the only yeah, it's a, it's a Star life. Trek cover band. Well, yeah, a Star Trek cover band. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Van yeah, Picard. That would be awesome. <laughs> Van Picard, I think I could do. <laughs> or ACD, AC Picard. <laughs> AC Deep Space Nine. <laughs> There's a million. There's a million names you could have for a for... ACD two. <laughs> you know what though? It's funny that we're talking ACD two. Oh my god, that'd be funny. A Star Wars cover band dressed up uh, that did ACDC songs, but the lead singer was C three PO. 
That would be awesome. That would be the weirdest <laughs> damn thing ever. Oh, that has to be done. It, it does. It really does. You know what's funny? There's, um, oh, no, I was going to say, speaking of cover bands, there is, obviously down here, there's a slew of cover bands, like, all oh, yeah. The place, but they have one that's very funny uh, called Yachtly Crew. <laughs> Yachtly Crew? And they do, like, uh, they do, like, like easy listening cover songs dressed <laughs> like yachting, like yachting clothes with the hat. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Jimmy Buffett does hard rock. <laughs> right. Or the, or the, uh, the, Oh, what's what? kind of like Richard cheese. <laughs> Very much so. And you know, there is a, there's a metal, uh, band called the, uh, the Oakley Doakley's. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Like Ned Flanders. <laughs> Look them up. Look them up. That's... I'm not lying. The Oakley Doakley. Well, that's awesome. I need more absinthe. But and and don't we all? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Can can you entertain them for about a minute? A minute? I... Sure, I totally can. So okay. Uh, speaking of uh, of cover bands, uh, for those of you who are. Uh, listening in the future, because we're recording this now. I don't even know when this is going to get released, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't even know if the other one that we did last last week, was it last week, Jerry? Oh, he left. So I could say anything I want. Uh, but anyway, we recorded one last week, and that's going to get released first than this next one. Um, but the place I work, which is a motorcycle shop in Southern California... Uh, we like to do events that tie into holidays. And one of the events we're going to do is a Cinco de Mayo, and I'm trying to get a band called Metalachi, which is a mariachi band that does uh, like Metallica, Judas Priest, and all that. So uh, don't know why I'm telling you that. Just watch your uh, local event section if you're in Southern California and come see uh, the craziness that will ensue. I think I think I hear Jerry back now. Nope, I don't hear Jerry back now. He's left me here. You know, my defense in court will be, uh, Your Honor, I was, uh, uh, I don't know what happened, but in my defense, I was left unattended. So, uh, do with me as you will. <laughs> I'm back. I You're didn't hear a very uh, word you said. Oh, my gosh. It, it, was, it was a long tirade about absolutely nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> Which kind of is like our show in general. So uh, really it's the same thing, but just a different moment. Should we start wrapping it up? Because I know you got a you got a thing, you know. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's been yeah, we've been I've been yapping for forty seven I feel like I, I feel like I uh, uh dominated the podcast. I'm I apologize what? for not leaving much. No, no, no. It's about time you did because it's usually me. Oh please. It's a it's a it's a joint effort. Well that's a different podcast. <laughs> there's another podcast the thing. a joint let me, effort let that's me ask perfect you uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up in like 10 minutes but I just yeah. want to know so now in your state uh, uh, marijuana is now legal for recreational use it is indeed and I have still yet to get any you haven't got I, dude, I thought you were going to be there New Year's Day like lined up waiting you know what um, there's been what well, I it's complicated because even though it's legal here, it's illegal on the other side of the river. Yes. And well, wait, you're on the wrong side of the tracks is what you're saying. No, no. I, I live on the right side and and I actually work on the right side, but I, I work for a very large corporation and they have not decided what the heck they're going to do about or or what, how they're going to handle it. But it, but still, technically, you could get in trouble or fired for smoking marijuana because it's still federally illegal. Oh, I see what you're saying. But they don't do drug testing after you're hired. Still, I am hesitant, yeah. right? Um, that being said, I was, I'm, I'm very happy it's legal here just because it is legal right. because I think it being illegal is absolutely asinine. Well, you, you have to realize dear listener that, uh, Jerry and I grew up, uh, back in the seventies, 
Yeah, where we smoked it illegally. (laughs) Where we we would buy it and smoke it illegally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was such a, I never, I never thought ever. Now I live in Southern California, right? So there's like billboards everywhere, uh, uh, advertising pot. And it's like, I never thought for one moment that I would be alive to see the day when you could just walk into like a boutique store and buy dope. (laughs) <laughs> apparently in New York, there are vans that drive around and will deliver it to you. Fact checked. It's true. It's that way in LA too, isn't it? We have, there's delivery services. Yes. No, there's, there's actually, from what I heard on YouTube, I think it, it is New York, right? That is also legal. I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. <sighs> yeah, I could be, all, I could be I mistaken. That, uh, the, you it's like a uh, Grubhub or a uh, Uber Eats. Now there's a place that actually has a, a has a fleet of vans, and the vans themselves are stores. It's kind of like an ice cream truck. So it's basically <laughs> like that Cheech Chong movie, Nice Dreams. Yeah, Nice Dreams. Oh my! Exactly. God. Well, there. You, that, apparently, uh, now I know my new uh, retirement plan. <laughs> I'm going to get a truck, and it'll play Black Sabbath, and I'll <laughs> eat out of the uh, out of the the back of the truck that would be that ha- is so problematic though yeah because you could get robbed like in a heartbeat even it, there'd be a six-year-old kid with an uzi like give me all your weed dude It'd be horrible oh god what was that oh for some oh what was it assault on precinct oh 13 13 do you remember that i do where where the little girl comes up to the ice cream truck and the gang guy shoots her right in the forehead I just remember how shocked I was to see this cute little girl, boom, bullet hole in her head. Right. Taken out. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a brave new world, my friend. I guess that, that, I guess that scarred me for life since well, I remember it. If, so if it's, if it's that entrenched in you, uh, to where you're like, you're bringing it up now. Yes, absolutely. I think, uh, uh well, there's an interesting question. Oh, so, that? So some of the media that we've watched as entertainment has actually scarred us. Oh, yes. So just think about that for a while. Well, I've, had, I've, seen, I've seen some things in movies that I wish I'd never seen. Um, I mean, not because they were just horrible, but because it was so, well, both good and bad. I mean, there have been things I've seen that have stuck with me that have been very good and very positive and uplifting. And then I've seen things like, like I re- it was a Stephen King novel that got turned into um, a movie. Please, please don't say Lawnmower Man. Oh no, that was ridiculous. That was, <laughs> that was just like, stupid. That was just all they did was basically uh, uh, take the title of the book. I know, and, and say, they, "Hey, we've we have cheap computer graphics." Oh, it was horrid. If they really did the the Lawnmower Man, that would be terrifying. Oh, they should. Did you read the book or the story? A long time ago. Oh, God, it's terrifying. Horrible. Um, but in fact, now here's here's a case of something I watched that stuck with me for the rest of my life and freaked me out. And we watched it the other night. And it just so happens I have a uh, replica of the main prop from the uh, from the show. Uh, Trilogy of Terror with Karen hmm. Black. Do you remember the third one called Amelia about the little uh, Zuni warrior doll that uh, comes to life. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'll put you off your Wheaties for a while. <laughs> I used to have a thing for Karen Black. You know what? She's an interesting, I, I was telling Becky this the other night when we were watching, I go, you know, what's funny about her? It's like, I think she's attractive, but it's a weird kind of attractive. Well, also she was a very, um, she was a very advanced actress for the time. Yeah. She had no problems doing nude scenes back when that was like, what? Right. But exactly. I remember she was with, Oh God, I forgot his name, but uh, she was in a comedy called Port Noise Complaint. Oh, Did you ever yeah. see that? Yes. Where she was the monkey on his back and right. it was like nothing, but that was, that was amazing for back then. Right. It was it's a tame now, but it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a very big deal. 
Hello and welcome to reminiscing about movies that were probably made before you were born. Welcome to Movie Phone. <laughs> well, Jerry, it is about that time. It uh, is. Why don't Why don't you uh, Why don't you put a bow on this thing and we'll call it done? All right. Well, thank you for listening to this new episode uh, in 2020. I still can't get used to that. 20, but we're in the future. Um, if you would like to leave us feedback, please do so because we don't get no feedback and uh, you can give us a call. We used to try getting you to go to our website or using anchor.fm and user app. It just nobody wants to do it. So here's a, here's a phone you could call 203-450-6375. You can leave a message for us. We'll listen to it and we'll play it unless it's inappropriate, but it will probably be appropriate because you you guys are, even if it's inappropriate, we'll play it. It's like, yeah, Yeah. so 203-450-6375, or if you want, you could use the anchor.fm app uh, to voice message us directly. You could do that too via their website. As long as you're not using the Apple Safari browser, for some reason that one doesn't work, but yeah. The other ones do. Anyway, remember to visit our webpage at absinthepodcast.com. Yes. Soon to be changed to thegreenhour.com. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> For a new year, we need a new name. Yeah, we really should. And so. or. Oh, what the hell? Well, if if the Nerdist could change itself to ID10T, maybe we could. Well, you um, know, we could call ourselves, we could call ourselves, uh, uh, you know, uh, Slow Death in the Afternoon, Afternoon, the Green Hour Podcast. We could actually, that's not a bad idea. It would sound good and it's kind of cool and uh, it's got an air of mystery. It does. It does. I think so. Listeners, let us know if you think that would be cool. Um, You could do it. If you you go to our, um, go to our website at absinthepodcast.com. There are links to our social media. You can leave us messages there too. That's probably the easiest way to do it. You could follow our webpage. No, our webpage, our, our Facebook page. Uh, we don't have a Instagram because we just don't. We just don't. <laughs> if we did, I would just be doing nothing but posting all the memes that, that Dan posts, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is basically our Facebook page. Yeah, but it works. It's um, There's funny. Yeah. Anyway, remember to stay absent-minded, and we love you, and Sante. Yes. Uh, so, so, Sante? Sante. What's that mean? That's what they say when they drink absinthe and they're wishing each other well. Oh, Sante. Uh, Sante, am I saying it wrong? Is, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I'm trying to sound cool. No, you did, you did very cool. <laughs> I thought you were cool. I thought you were very cool. Uh, I, I'm trying to say something that I'm not really familiar with, but I hear other people say, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll say that too. Maybe they'll think. I know what I'm talking about. Sure, why not? I, I, I try to be cool, and I fail miserably. So yeah, that's that's your charm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, much like a, much like a, a burning bird. That's my charm. <laughs> <laughs> when you first was talking about burning bird, I thought it was some sort of little miniature burning man festival where they burn a bird instead. Yeah, it's very small. It's like in someone's front yard. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got eight people, yeah. and one of them's naked. And there's naked. a lot of lights, and that's the guy they have to take back to the home. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, our neighbor Bill. <laughs> All right, Jerry, anyway. have a great evening, and listeners, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Like Jerry said, contact us, uh, and we'll catch you next time on Slow Death in the Afternoon podcast, uh, also known as uh, Slow Death in the Afternoon podcast, the Green Hour. The Green Hour. The Green Hour. Hey, Jerry here. Since we don't have an official sponsor for this episode, I thought I'd throw this in instead. But first, let me set the appropriate mood.
It was a dark and stormy night, and there I was, up in a treehouse, banging away at an old manual typewriter. Do you have any idea how hard it is to type on a manual typewriter up in a tree while it's raining? Oh, and did I mention the lightning? But there I was, typing away, while ravens circled around in the air, swooping down through the torrent and trying to snatch the wet pages right out of the typewriter. But I wouldn't let them. I fought them off. Get away from me, you bloody birds! Why? Because it was important. I had a story to tell. And while the typewriter didn't survive, the stories did. And you can read them in the safe, tranquil, storm-free dryness of your giant mansion on either a Kindle, a Kindle app on the device of your choice, or from the words imprinted on the remains of a long dead tree. Don't worry, the tree didn't feel any pain, as far as we know. The one I'm gonna to recommend to you, mainly because it has absinthe in it, is the novel, All You See Is Light. There's three others in the series, and there's also a book of short stories. And if you're into true stories, there's one called All This in a Bucket of Toads. That one also has Dan in it. Yeah, I dug up a lot of dirt in that one. And toads. Don't worry, it won't give you warts, but you can find all of these on my personal website, cherryjdavis.com books. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. If you don't, they make perfect re-gifts, saving you money, and you can claim you know me. I'll vouch for you totally. And if you're just not into books and you don't like to read, you could still pretend you do and go and give my books a good review on Amazon. Hey, there's as much karma in that as there is in just reading the book. It's a win-win. Meanwhile, I'll be up here in this tree writing the next book while I drink absinthe. Ouch! Ow! Curse you, Alfred Hitchcock! <laughs>